Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. This week, I'm welcoming on Sherry Gazette. Sherry is a coach who is dedicated to helping teens and parents through the difficult ups and downs of adolescence. She advocates for teen mental wellness by advising foundations, appearing on TV and radio shows, and writing for magazines. Sherry also provides private coaching for teens and their parents who need help finding their inner joy, taming stress, claiming their confidence, and navigating friendships. In today's episode, we chat all about breaking through your teen's wall of silence. Sherry shares with us why teens stop talking and if it's a normal development in the teen years, what we can do to make it more likely that they'll want to engage with us, how to have judgment-free conversations, and how to create trust. The teen years can throw some challenges your way, but creating a trusting and deep connection with your teen is not only so important, but it's so rewarding. You can go find Sherry over on Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, and Twitter at TeenWise Seattle. You can also find her on her website, TeenWiseSeattle.com, or on LinkedIn at Sherry Gazette. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. Sherry, welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I am excited that you are joining me here today because I think a lot of people are needing some tips on how to communicate with teens. So I'm excited to talk about it. But first, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. First of all, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about teens you know, 24-7. So I'm excited to talk <laughs> about communication with teens. Um, about myself, I have survived the teen years with my three. Yeah. They're 18, 22, and 24. So um, we're kind of coming out the other side. My youngest is still technically a teen, but you know it's a little bit different when they're 18. Um, I love what I do. And what I found is that parents, all the parents I get to meet and talk with are such loving, kind parents. And they're just a little bit lost of how do I connect with my teens, right? And so I love that I'm able to step in and kind of observe and give advice and coach them a little bit and, and really help to repair that relationship with their kids. And, and I love shining a light on the amazing, fascinating um, teen world because teens yeah. get a bad rap. Everybody Me talks too. about how you know horrible <laughs> it is. And I'm like, I, I feel so lucky to get to work in this space. Um, yeah. You know, I I started out with um, you know doing psychology research, and then my path mm-hmm. took me you know uh, this windy path, and here I am, and I'm just so fortunate to get to do what I love. I love that, and I love that you kind of pointed out that teens get a bad rap. I totally, totally agree. Um, I work with teens and I just think that they are maybe a little misunderstood at times, Yes, you know, but they are so cool. They are so inspiring. They are so insightful. And I think that like we have a lot to learn from our teens sometimes, right. but it is like this shift, especially, you know, so my kids aren't in the teen years yet and I am excited to get your perspective as somebody who's come out on the other side, right? Um, Because I think the younger years are hard, right? And then we kind of get out of the younger years and there's maybe like this sweet spot in between where maybe you're not having the tantrum-y stuff as much. 
you know, you're connecting with them. And then things kind of change as they're getting older. The autonomy is changing. Uh, they want some independence. And I think that parents get a little scared sometimes. I see that when I'm working with my teens. Um, but how can, I guess, parents like navigate some of these transitions and maybe like normalizing what teens are going through during this developmental stage? I think a big piece of it is understanding the yeah. whole journey, right? So right. we've got the little kids, they've got the tantrums, like you mentioned, yeah. you're worried about diaper changes, about what snacks they're going to eat, bedtime, bath time, all that stuff. It's a little more controllable, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, they love you so much. You know, they see you walk in the door and their face lights up. They're like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Yeah. And then we fast forward a little bit. We don't have to think about all those minutia things, but we still are guiding them and they come to us for a lot of stuff. For the most part, they still like to be with us when they're in late elementary school and then yeah. middle school hits. And it's like all of a sudden the world changes. Yeah. So what we have to realize is that it doesn't, it's not this overnight thing that all of a sudden they don't need you. It's just, they need you in a different way. So yeah. we can continue to connect and be there for them and guide them. But we also have to start loosening the reins, so to speak, and yeah. give them more control and responsibility in their lives. And so when we can see this journey as it's a good one, this is a positive that they're pushing us away. Because as much as we love them, we probably don't want them living with us until they're, you know, 30. True. So they've got to, you know, start <laughs> loosening their grip on us and vice versa. So when we see it as that journey, then we can stop taking it so personally yeah. and begin to experience this individuation and this journey to adulthood with them instead of trying to like keep them in this little bubble wrapped world where we control it all. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I definitely don't want my children living here forever as much as I love them. But, you know, but I do like see like when I'm working with teens, I see not this like shift and giving more control, right? I see like kind of like the holding on for dear life, you know, and it's yes. like, oh my gosh, they're going to be out of my control in X amount of years. And so I have to make sure that they're safe until then or that they're making good choices until then. And how do you feel like we can kind of work with them where we're opening up the communication about, you know, because you also have so many new things that are scary happening yeah. during these two teen years. You know, maybe they're entering relationships, you know, romantic relationships. Maybe they're exploring their sexuality. Maybe they're exploring social media. You have, you know, all these like kind of real big, heavy things in these years. So how do we kind of open up this communication with our teens so that we know that they're being safe, but we are trusting them and guiding them? Right. The, there's a big word in there that came up a few times, and that's fear. Yeah. And when we begin to parent from a place of fear, that yeah. leads to a place of control. Yeah. And control is not a way to connect with somebody. Control is a way to actually disconnect with somebody. They're yeah. no longer a person that you're emotionally connected with. It's all about, I need to control everything you do so that I can keep you safe. Mm -hmm. The parents I know that are parenting like this, 
They love their kids. Right. There's no doubt about that, but they want to control them because of that fear. So we have to put that fear aside and connect with our kids from a place of curiosity and understanding and wanting to know who they are and what they're going through instead of saying, I need to keep you safe at all costs. Because let's face it, our kids have a lot of things they can get into, a lot of things that can get them into trouble. But we've always had that as teens. There's right. always been something, right? Even if right. you go back to like the, you know, little house on the prairie, they got in trouble, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just different levels. And right now, we have so much access to what our kids are doing through social media, reading mm -hmm. their texts, right? Um, mm -hmm. Being privy to all of those side things that they're doing. In the past, our parents didn't know that stuff. So they weren't freaking out quite as much. We were I like in a field you know, somewhere dying yes, and our parents had no idea. <laughs> exactly. They didn't see no. our text messages, right? No. And so that's part of the, the good and bad of technology is we as parents have so much more information about what our kids are doing that it freaks us out. It's and good it, and bad, right? Yeah. It creates yeah. a disconnection instead of a connection. Yeah. I know. So are there things that I guess we can be doing before we are hitting the teen years mm -hmm. that is nurturing this relationship so that once we hit some of these rocky roads, they want to talk to us? Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's one thing that parents do a lot, which is great. And they say to their kids, you can talk to me about whatever. Yeah. Right. Sounds lovely. This is Sounds me right wonderful. now. Yes. <laughs> Come and talk to me, honey, right? The I will never real... touch you. I will yes. love you. Yeah. Yes. So the real magic comes in what happens when they come to you, right? And as yeah. they get older, they're not coming to you about, I broke a toy or something like that. They're coming to you about a friend of mine is vaping or, you know, a friend of mine has suicidal ideation. I have suicidal ideation. So they're bigger things. So yeah. what we have to do in that moment when they say, okay, I'm coming and talking to you. You have to remember the promises that you've given them. No judgment, no lectures, no advice unless they want it, that you're there to listen and understand. So yeah. keep that poker face, keep your calm for them and get curious and ask questions, but just let them be there, not judging them, listening to them. And that's going to get you in a place where you can continue to have these conversations with them. Yeah. Now, let's say that we make a whoops, right? Because we make lots of whoopses in yeah. our parenting journey and we do not show up perfect 100% of the time. And so, you know, we've set the stage. You can come to me and talk to me. I will love you and accept you always. But now you've come to me and said, hey, I'm vaping in the bathroom at school and, yeah. and I'm in trouble. And you're like, what the heck? And you are now like rupturing these relationships. Yeah. How do we, I guess, repair these or get back on track to having better communication with our mm -hmm. teens? First of all, we have to recognize that we're human. We are going yeah. to have moments where we break down, we say right. the wrong thing, we might even yell, right? We might right. shame or blame. We are going to do that sometimes. Yeah. The important piece is to repair that relationship, not just let it go, not just wait a few days and then act like it didn't happen. We have to rebuild that trust. So mm -hmm. let me talk about trust for a second and then we'll come back yeah. around to this. 
So trust is a lot more than just I'm being honest with you. Trust is about our kids knowing who we are in the relationship with them. So when they come to us, are we calm and patient? Are we judgmental and you know constantly lecturing? Do we flip-flop back and forth? The most difficult for our kids is when we flip-flop back and forth and they don't know who they're going to get during the conversation. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing. We have to be consistent in our parenting as much as possible. And mm-hmm. that way our kids know what they're going to get. The other thing is that we have to come from a place of understanding. So we got to get curious. We have to listen. We have to really want to know who they are in that moment instead of who we want them to be. Because when we're always parenting from a place of this is how I want them to be, I need to change who they are. They feel that and that doesn't feel like trust anymore. Then the other thing that we have to do is we have to see them as human beings rather than these worker bees, which means that we have to put them in our relationship with them before our to-do list. Yeah. As our kids get busy, we're constantly, did you do your homework? Did you do the chores? Did you clean your room? Um, did you get ready for this, that? That's We have to do that. But before all of that, we have to connect and love them. And that's what creates this trusting, loving relationship. So back to what do we do when we mess up? So we have to go back and apologize sincerely. We say, you know, I was really angry and I lost my cool with you. I apologize. No buts, no explanation, no putting it upon them. No, I'm sorry, but you didn't do what I asked you to do. That negates the apology. And then that begins to build the trust up again. If it's one time that that happens, it's easy to repair that. If it's constantly happening, it gets more and more difficult to repair. And what happens in the brain of our kids when we break this trust is that they have this little reptilian part of their brain that's assessing, is my parent, my friend, or my foe? And Mm -hmm. you get put over into the foe category. And then it's more difficult to get them to open up because of the brain chemicals. They um, have less oxytocin, which is the the bonding chemical. They have more norepinephrine, which is about like looking for that fight. Right. And then they just can't connect with you because they're stressed out anytime you come into the room. Yeah. I love that. And I love like what you were talking about, the trust and making sure that they know who you are in the relationship Mm -hmm. and not showing up as these different people all the time. Because those are really confusing. I'm like raising my hands like that's how I grew up. And that's probably, I don't know, that's a whole nother podcast episode. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and like it is, it is really hard. Um, But I do want to say something about like the friend and foe, because I hear a lot of parents say, I'm not your friend. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And how do we like speak to that? You know, like because we're not their friend, we are their parent. But I do believe in like this being child led approach to parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not an extension of us, they are their own individual people. They're going to make their own choices in life and they might be different than the choices you would have made for them. Um, so it's like this whole kind of complicated balance, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we kind of speak to that, I guess, like phrase that some parents use? I'm not your friend. Yeah. So we don't have to use that phrase, first of right. all. I, the, the gist of that is that I'm your parent and I get to set the rules and guidelines. 
right. absolutely true. That's our role as parents, right? Yeah. But um, so there's a difference between being your kid's friend and being a friendly parent. Yes. Our goal is to be the friendly parent. That's the yes. parent that listens, that's compassionate, that's loving versus the friend that gets into the drama with the kids, right? Right. You don't, you're not trying to be the cool parent because the cool parent doesn't create safety and trust. The cool yes. parent is right in there with them in their teen years and they did not need that. Yeah. They have enough friends that are in the yes. drama with them. Right. <laughs> You know, so how do you feel like we can create some of these judgment-free conversations with our kids? So a lot of it comes back to listening. If we yeah. listen, then we really get to know who they are. Yeah. And then we can go from there and continue to create the relationship, continue to understand who they are. Uh, one of the things that's important to, to realize is as we're creating this trusting relationship, it doesn't mean we let our kids do whatever they want. Right. There's a lot of confusion in that. And I, I feel like this upcoming generation and the, the parents right now, there's confusion in the listening and understanding, meaning they can do whatever they want. They create yeah. the rules. They, you know, there's, there's nothing that's off limits because we trust them. I hear that a lot. I trust my kids. So I'm going to let them go, you know, 200 miles away at age 15 and go in a hotel room. Like, wait a second, you know, that, that's not what this is about, right? right. Or I trust them, so I'm going to let them go, you know, A through Z, whatever it is. And I'm right. just like, whoa, whoa, we're losing. <laughs> not age we're appropriate. Losing this here, right? <laughs> yeah, they need the guidelines and the rules. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. I, did I answer the question, Abby? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like opening up judgment-free conversations. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> let me go back to <laughs> All right. So um, really the big piece is that we watch our language. We're not shaming. We're not blaming. Yeah. And we have to watch our internal filters because we have a lot of messages that are coming to us from media, society, and mm -hmm. from our own stories that we're bringing from our childhood of yep. how our kids should be. Yep. So if we can drop the should and just think about who is this human being that is sitting in front of me that I love so much we can begin to shed that judgment and just be there to support who they are. Yeah. I'll also like kind of add to that, the on the topic of like bringing things in from your childhood or how you were ra raised. If you had, you know, parents who weren't showing up the way that you needed them to, for me, it's a struggle to not like then overcompensate. Right, right. And so that's like a thing that I kind of have to watch myself with where like I maybe didn't, yeah, I didn't have parents that showed up the way that I needed them to. So then mm -hmm. I'm like overdoing. Right, right. And that's also harmful. So then you have to like really be self-aware and like check yourself there as well. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> yes, it's a lot. And parenting is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. That's it's for not sure. easy. I know. And it does. It takes a lot of self-awareness. And mm -hmm. I think it takes a lot of self-awareness in this communication aspect with whether it's your tiny people, your middle people, your teenagers, you know, how you're showing up in these conversations with them. Right. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, it is. And, you know, as you pointed out, we're going to have times where we mess up. Our kids don't need us to be perfect. Yeah. They just need us to be relatively consistent. Yeah. And they need to know that we love them unconditionally. Yeah. So when they when they mess up, when they, you know, 
try vaping or they come home late or, you know, break something, whatever it is, we have to understand that they are human too, and they're going to mess up. And that's, again, that's a magical moment. Every point of connection with our kids is a magical moment. So if my Mm -hmm. kid came home late, you know, past curfew, I was like, yay, this is a connection point, right? Yeah. Like, of course, I was worried. I was mad, all those things. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is a great moment where I can say, I love you, even though you didn't follow curfew. Let's learn from this. Let's connect. And then we can move on together. Um, I'll give you, this will be a good example for people yeah. of, of the curfew issue here. So one of my daughters came home late. I mean, all three of them at some point did, but you know, this one stands <laughs> out. Uh, she came home late and you know, there's those worries, those things that and the yeah. worry ends up with mad, right? Mm-hmm. So she came in the door and luckily I followed my parenting advice that I give and I didn't start with you're late, what happened, blah, blah, blah. So I said, you know, I'm glad you're home safe. You know, what's going on? You know, pointed out it was past curfew. And she began to tell me everything that was going on. You know, that she was having a a disagreement with a friend. She didn't feel like she could leave in the middle of it. Didn't feel right to pick up the phone, you know, during this conversation. So instead of us ending up in this argument about her, you know, getting late, getting home late, we had a great conversation and connected. So those are the opportunities that we might miss if we just start with that control and that fear and that anger and judgment. We've got to see the person in front of us. Because like that excuse kind of, that seems like valid, right? You know, it's extremely like you shouldn't valid, be yeah. leaving in the middle of a disagreement and yes. or like picking up the phone, you know? Right. And yeah. And at the end of the conversation with my daughter, I said, okay, so you were home 30 minutes late. So um, tomorrow you'll just have 30 minutes less of your curfew. So there was still a consequence, Yeah, but it wasn't shaming. It wasn't an yeah. anger. It yeah. was like, okay, I get it. I thank you for sharing with me. And then here's the consequence. Yeah. So do you feel like, you know, kind of using your real life example, mm-hmm. how did your daughter then respond to that consequence? Is it like, well, it that's like, not fair or? Nope. I said, yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Because the connection came first. It was already there. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't coming from me being mad. I wasn't revving up the emotions because yeah. if we are at this emotional rev up situation where everybody's mad, everybody's angry, nobody's thinking logically. Mm-hmm. And the oxytocin again is down. So there's no bonding, no connection chemical going on. So it's just all about defending, right? I get mad. She defends what she did. There's no connection whatsoever. So any consequence, no matter how big or small would not be taking well, but because we we're connecting and talking, it was more collaborative. And yeah. she was like, okay. Yeah. So I am a mental health therapist and I work with teens and I will say that every single teen comes to my office and wants to talk to their parents. They don't want to disappoint their parents. They don't want to not have great relationships with their parents, but they all do kind of say that they want to be seen and heard by their parents Mm-hmm. And so I think like this example of, you know, sitting down, having that connecting moment is so important. And that is what so many teens have like walked to my door and said, right? It's yes. like, but she doesn't listen to me, but he doesn't listen to me, you right. know? And what just like a human need, you know, us as adults, mm-hmm. I want to be seen and heard right. when I'm in a disagreement with my partner, 
I want them to hear me, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, or with a friend or, you know, whoever, right? You want to be seen and heard in your conversations with people. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to be doing that with our kids as well. It is. And that's the exact same thing that I hear also from the kids I work with. They do want to have that conversation. They want to be seen and heard and respected. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they give up though. And if you're in that situation as a parent, you have to realize there is a way to break down that wall of silence again. And it starts with that connection. It starts with seeing them again as a human being for who they are. And, um, you know, so if your kid's not talking to you at all right now, you can start by going to them and saying, I really want to have a good relationship with you. And I apologize for the things that I've done to get us to where we are. I really want to work on this. And to, to kind of say, here's where I am. Don't expect mm-hmm. anything from your kids because there's a pattern that has created this silence. But you as the parent, you have to keep on trying. Don't give up because your kids do want to talk to you. Yeah. Let's kind of, let's like talk more to that. I guess like this wall of silence and the relationship has been ruptured. There's the silence. I'm not coming to you and talking to you. You come to them and say, you know, Hey, I want this good relationship. I'm sorry. You take responsibility and acknowledge the pain and the hurt. How do you, I guess, like then move forward and repair because they're already like, Nope, walls up. You know, how do you break that down? Yeah. You just keep connecting and the connection points don't always lead to what you're hoping for. Yeah. Um, So you might ask them, do you want to go take the dog for a walk? They say, no, that's okay. You've connected with them in that moment. And you said to them, I want to spend time with you. That's good right there. Because a lot of parents will have the interaction and say, well, I tried. They don't want to spend time with me. Yeah. That's okay. Um, The next thing that you can do is to, if they have a phone, Start sending them funny texts, funny memes, you know, get into their world. Don't text them like, I want to talk to you. We need to talk. We need to don't do all that. Just a connection point of something that they relate to. Yeah. The other thing is think about the things that your kid is interested in. And you know what? That's going to become your interest now. You may not Mm -hmm. like it, but you're going to go and you're going to do some research and see like, you know, what can you bring to the table? What can you ask them about the video game that they love and you hate, right? Just start just <laughs> start really hard. talking about those things, right? Instead yeah. of shaming them and saying, why do you waste your time doing TikTok or whatever? Yeah. Get in the world with them. Right. No, I totally agree. And I've had like teens actually say that. Like, I just wish that my interests were a priority. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, how pow- what a powerful statement, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like I think that we're all like very good intentioned parents, but yeah. do we make our kids' interests a priority? Mm-hmm. I could do yeah, better. Parents, yeah, parents you know? will say to me, "I try to spend time with my kids. I yeah. want to take them to do you know X Y Z, and then I'll talk to the kids, and they're like, I don't I like that. to do those things anymore. <laughs> I want to spend time with my parents, but I don't want to do those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um. Sherry, I absolutely love this conversation because I do. I think that creating these connections with our teens, 
then leads to better connections with our kids once they're adults. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that all of these connections start and have to be like nurtured and, you know, watered as they're growing, you know, so that we do have a place in their lives when they are adults, you know? Um, So, yeah. So thank you for having this conversation with me. Where can my listeners find you and find more information on this topic? One of the best places to connect with me is on my Facebook group, just because there's constant information coming out and you can find me at, um, you can either go to Facebook and search the parenting lab. You can search teen wise and um, I'm always putting information in there. So that's a, a really great place to start. Perfect. I'll be linking all those in the description of this podcast. Sherry, thank you again for joining me and cheers to better connections with our teens. Thank you, Abby. Thanks.